This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, and you're listening to the Warning Program right now. I have a message from Ty Goldstrom. He was my assistant pastor November 13, 2004, and spoke on responding to the word. Responding to the word. May God bless you. You're going to enjoy this program. Well, praise the Lord. We are, like Pastor Tom said, we are pleased to be back. We had a great time in Texas. I'll tell you what, they have their own way of doing things in Texas. <laughs> But it was a good trip. You know, I oftentimes don't go on some of the national America trips, and I, I just felt compelled by the Lord to go on this trip. And I, I think I understood a little bit going into it why I was supposed to be there. And as I was leaving on the flight back, and I was just thinking about that week, the Lord did some great things. It did some great things in our ministry. It did some great things as far as our ministry outreach and, and working with this church especially and, and in my personal life. It was wonderful. I believe as a Christian that we should never retreat, but always advance. So we don't go on retreats, we go on advances. Amen? Even in our times where we pull ourselves back into that closet and spend time with Jesus Christ, that is not retreating. That is advancing. And until we understand that prayer is the work. You catch that? Prayer is the work. We think, oh no, going and feeding the poor and going and preaching, this is the work. No, the work starts in prayer. And until the church can figure that out, until the church will cherish the prayer, cherish the work, then we will be failures until we grasp that understanding that everything is founded in our relationship and our prayer time with Jesus Christ. We should value that above and beyond anything that we do outside of that. It should be rooted and grounded in prayer. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. We're going to uh, speak from the book of James. How many people like the book of James? Amen? I almost said the book of Jacob, but I thought I'd confuse you by saying that. <laughs> Believe me that there, there was no such thing as the name James in the First Testament Jewish mindset. <laughs> it was Jacob. <laughs> However, sometimes we give allegiance to man and change the names. So the book of James chapter 1. All right, praise the Lord. James chapter 1. Has everyone got their swords ready? Yeah. Praise God. We're going to start in verse 19. 
My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so is prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. There's a lot we can speak about in the scripture. Amen? I believe that if you'll have your ears tuned today, parts of this message we have heard before, but this message we need to hear again. Because one thing that I'm convinced throughout America and many parts of the world is that there is a lot of shepherds. And we went to Texas and we spoke to this pastor. His cry was the same. His desire is that his people will respond to the word of God. Amen? Because he knows that if his people will simply respond to the word of God, that life will flow through them. That the troubles that they have and the concerns that they have and the struggles that they have. He realizes as a pastor that he cannot change anyone. Amen? Nothing that I say today is going to change you. Jesus Christ can only change you. Can you say amen? amen. I cannot change you. You've got to understand that. I as a minister... As we speak the word, all I can do is encourage you to go to the person that can change you. That's all I can do. Jesus Christ is your Savior. He is the one that can change you. He is the one that can deliver you. He is the one that can heal you. He is the one that can bring life from death. In Texas, we saw healings, deliverance, we saw liberty, we saw freedom. But it was only as the people responded to the living word, Jesus Christ. It was only when they heard the word and they received the word by faith and it compelled them to go to Jesus Christ. Repentance only comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? All we can do is respond. I hope that today in some way you'll respond to the word of God today. Because as we read and as we'll talk about in the next half an hour, this word is able to perpetually save your soul. Praise the Lord. And I'm in need of saving today. Praise God. I was saved. I am being saved. 
and I will be saved. You got to understand that. We're not talking about a historical event. I was confirmed. I was saved. I was baptized. That's great. What's happening today in your life? It says it even here, if you're able to receive the word, it is able to save your soul today. Amen. So verse 22, I'm going to start with verse 22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. From the Amplified Version, it says, but be doers of the word. Obey the message and not merely listen to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. Verse 23 says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now envision this. A man goes to his mirror and he looks in it and he sees who he is. Right? He has a reflection about who he is. He has an understanding about what he looks like. There's an impression that's made upon him. And then he walks away from the mirror and he forgets the impression. What the Lord is saying to the scripture is, how many times does Jesus Christ speak to us through the living word? Amen? That doesn't matter where the word's happening, whether it's in your own closet, whether you're in church service, Wherever you encounter the living word, Jesus Christ, he always will make an impression upon you. Amen? The word of God is what? It's living. It's active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It always makes an impression. Amen? The word of God is so powerful. All of the word is inspired. It is God-breathed. It is useful for correcting, teaching, and rebuking, and training in all righteousness so that the man of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God longs to make an impression upon you. But how many times do we encounter the word of God through, say, a servant of God? They project the word of God upon you. You engage and you say, ah, Praise God. You get spiritual revelation and spiritual life and you're feeling good and faith is arising within you. But then you leave that situation and you forget the revelation. You forget the very impression that was just put upon you by Jesus. In the very same way that the natural man looks into the mirror, beholds himself, beholds a revelation, beholds an encounter, and then turns away and forgets. How often are we guilty in a spiritual sense of encountering an impression from Jesus Christ and walking away and leaving the impression behind. Amen? We need to be not just hearers of the Word of God. How many people did Jesus encounter in his three and a half years or so that heard and they were the crowds and they would stand in the earshot and they say, whoa, those are good words. Yet they would walk away and go about their business and return right back to where they were at. They would hear the word. The word always makes an impression. What does the word of God say? The word will not come back void. The word of God is alive. It's not a dead word. It's an alive word. It always makes an impression. Whenever you hear the word of God, it doesn't matter if you're 60, 70, 80, 10, 12. It doesn't matter. 
You hear the living word of God, it will not return void. It is living, it is active, you have a choice to respond to it. Amen? Sounds like a lot of responsibility. Let's look at verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Now notice a few words here. It says, the man who looks what? The man who looks intensely. I believe another translation says, looks carefully into the word. So the impression has been made. The man has looked into the spiritual mirror and Jesus has spoken to him. And now, secondary, it says the man who is righteous, the man who pursues, is the man who now looks intently into it. It's more than just a church service. It's more than just hearing the word from a pulpit. That brings about an impression, but now you must respond to it in some way. You must look intently into it. You must look carefully into it. That is your responsibility. No man, no pastor, no preacher, no apostle, or no prophet can do that part for you. Isn't that true? They can bring the impression. They can deliver the word. Jesus can speak to you. The word of God can be life. It can come and be sharper than a two-edged sword. That he can do. He can deliver the message. But he cannot make you look intently into it. He can't make you look carefully into it. That's a choice that you and I have to make. It says in verse 25 that if we will look intently into the perfect law. We don't have to be intimidated by the word law. The word of God is the law of God. Hello? Whenever we hear law, sometimes in Christianity, we start cringing and saying, no, 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 I'm not under law. But grace. Amen? People don't like to hear the word law. But the law of God is simply the word of God. And it is true that for your salvation, you are not under the law. But you are under what? You are under the blood of the Lamb of God. Amen? Right. And the only difference is, as a Christian... No longer are you trying to carry this law around and try to justify your salvation by it. But now, the law is within you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus said you can't carry the law. You can't obey the law. Not that the law is in any way tainted or spoiled. The law is perfect. If God makes a law, the law is perfect. So the law doesn't go into effect. It can't save your soul, not because the law isn't holy, but why? Paul says, because you are not holy. You make it null and void. The law of God is perfect, it is beautiful, it is wonderful. But we default it, we contaminate it, we make it null and void. And so the law looms over us as a condemner, a schoolmaster, that says, you are a sinner. Amen? But thanks be to God and to Jesus Christ that we are not under the law to justify our salvation, but we are under the blood of the Lamb of God. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why when somebody says, when you ask them, why, brother, do you, do you think you should be able to go to heaven, God's heaven, if he asks you? 
They say, well, I've lived a pretty decent life. There is none righteous. No, not one. Just as a furtherance of that, I want to read to you Jeremiah chapter 31. The great prophetic promise of Scripture that look forward to the time of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31. The Lord says, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. Say minds. And I will write it in their hearts. Say hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man, his brother, brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. Now that's good news. That's a better covenant. Amen? We can't fulfill the law in amongst ourselves. So Jesus says, fine, I will cover you now with the blood. I will put the law in your heart, put the law in your mind. Now, one thing you've got to understand is this is not like robots. This is not like he's just going to take this huge chip and stick it in your mind and say, now the law is within their minds and their hearts. Now they're perfect. Now, no. What he's saying is all the potential of the law, all the potential of the wisdom of God, the resources of God, they're all at your disposal. Amen? It never comes apart from personal responsibility. Right. We always have to respond in faith to the living words. We still can make it null and void. The righteous have always lived by faith, and they will always in the future live by faith. God has always had that requirement. It doesn't matter how many animals you slaughter. It doesn't matter how many religious services you attend. The righteous always live by faith. And faith comes through obedience to the word of God. Praise the Lord. So Jeremiah talked about a time that would be filled in Jesus Christ where we would have the law in our minds, in our, in our hearts. It says there in verse 25 that this perfect law gives freedom. Freedom. It gives liberty. Are you feeling bound up? Are you feeling oppressed or depressed? What is it giving freedom from? It's giving freedom from yourself. Jesus came to save you from yourself. You were on a self-destructive course. You were a son of perdition. You were a son of hell, doomed to destruction, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. We are self-destructing. And Jesus came to bring freedom through the perfect law that he is willing to put in your mind and in your hearts, if you'll just receive it. If you'll just receive it. If you'll simply be a doer of the word versus one who hears the word, sees the impression of the word, even has a little response to the word, but then turns around and forgets what that word was. 
He is not pleased with that. He is not pleased with the son or the daughter who comes to a service like this and the word comes down and they respond in faith and amen and praise the Lord and hallelujah and they come up and bury and cry their tears out and then they walk out the door and they forget the impression anymore. He is not pleased with that. That's why a man of God or a woman of God, a doer of the word, can never be had in this building. We can only put you in the direction to go look into the perfect law intensely and carefully. Because that is the path of being a doer of the word. Amen? You think of how many minutes or how many hours or in a week you're here, but it's just a small time. It's only a time, like Pastor Hansen said in Texas. We come here first and foremost to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't come here first and foremost to learn. We come here to hear from the man or the woman of God, to be able to give some instruction, to give some encouragement, sometimes to give a little rebuke. We come for those things. And then we go out, and then now we can be doers of the Word of God. As we are worshiping today, the Lord is speaking to me about and we use that phrase sometimes, we don't want people just to play church, amen? Yeah. And what he was saying to me, the people that play church is the ones that come, but when they leave, they don't do the word of God. That's a player. Yeah. We're talking about a player, we're talking about a person who says, I'm doing church, I'm doing all the, all the right things, I'm saying the hallelujahs, I'm saying the amens, I don't know, God bless you, brother. Doing all the right things. Yet when they leave, they're not doers anymore. You understand what I'm saying? A player, playing church, like an actor, which is the very root of the word we get hypocrisy from. An actor. An actor is a person who comes and appears that they're do, are doing the word of God. They come looking good. They say the right things. They may shout. They may dance. But when they leave this place, they're not doers of the word of God any longer. That's playing church. If you get an, a congregation that has enough people playing church, it's dead. Why? Because they're not doers. They have no life. They're like the man who sees his face and then leaves it and forgets it. We have to be men and women who are going to be willing to do the Word of God. And we're going to talk about that more. And that freedom and liberty that comes through the Holy Spirit as we respond to the Word of God. I almost look at it for simplicity's sake. I look at the Spirit of God as my innermost being, that inner chamber. And outside of it is my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. And I think about that Spirit within. If we're willing to be doers of the Word of God, and we respond to the living Word by faith, then that Spirit is able to permeate out and affect my emotions, affect my mind, affect even my physical body as I respond to the perfect law, as I respond to the law of God. If I will simply be a doer, that law that's in, within me, that spirit will just break out and touch every part of my body, of my mind, of my emotions. Amen? I'm going to skip down to verse 26. It says in verse 26, If anyone considers himself religious, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Can I say something about the word religious? 
almost every Christian circle these days uses it as a negative term. The scripture doesn't use it as a negative term. Religious or religion is simply the external relationship, the external things that I can see in a man or a woman or myself responding to God. Those religious external things can be either with hypocrisy or they can be with sincerity. Amen? So religious or religion in and by itself from a biblical perspective is not a pejorative term. It's not a negative term. It's not a condescending term. Like anything, it can be sincere or full of hypocrisy. It says there that if a man cannot keep a rein on his tongue, James later in chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, says this about the tongue. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Man, that's a hard word. No man can tame his tongue. Now, I was thinking about this the other day because I remember one time somebody said to me about taming the tongue that, you know, you need to learn to control your mouth. I heard someone say this to another brother. And I was thinking about that. That man can't learn. He can't just learn to tame his tongue. If he is led by his carnal man, then that tongue is certainly the outlet in which he expresses it. It's a seed producing after its own kind. You're telling him to do an impossibility. How can he possibly do or say something that's not birthed from within him? No man in and by himself can tame the tongue. Amen? No man. You have some men that sit back and say, well, I do a pretty good job. And I remember one time, a man of God said this to me this was several years ago. And I was, you know, I had a hard time sometimes with my tongue, so I just thought I'd internalize things. But it's not the physical utterance. Uh-huh. It's just this tongue in itself has a mind or something. No, no, no. I have the mind. And my mind just goes out through my tongue. And so it doesn't matter if, you, if we can hear what you're saying. If you're saying it to yourself, it's the same thing. You can say, well, I have a tight rein on my tongue. I don't say nothing. But inside, you're saying all sorts of stuff. Yeah? You're, you're smelling, God bless you. I wish I could kill you. Inside. You're, that's the tongue. That's the thing you can't control. It's not just the phonation of the thing. It's not just the external thing. If you're saying it in your mind, that's what he's talking about here. That's the principle. You cannot tame that wild beast, is what he's saying. And I believe in Christian circles, for the most part, we keep our tongue under check when people are around. But we're saying all sorts of stuff in our minds. All sorts of stuff about this brother or that brother. My situation, your situation. We're saying all sorts of stuff. That's what he's talking about. It's the same poison. The only benefit, if you don't actually externalize it, is you're not sharing your poison one with another. Praise God for that part, at least. But at least that poison, you're destroying yourself. 
You know those parts of the physical body? That can be a poison and can kill you. The pancreas, for instance, makes enzymes that help break down certain kinds of foods. If that tube gets blocked, like Sister Jeannie experienced, the enzymes will actually start to auto-ingest the pancreas. Because they're, not, they're, they're made by the pancreas, they're stored by the pancreas, but if they get blocked up into the pancreas, they start killing the pancreas. You kill the pancreas, you're dead. Say, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. And so if you harbor these poisons within you, if you think thoughts of sedition, if you think thoughts in your mind of factions and discords and jealousies and strifes and pride, if you think the thoughts in your mind, it doesn't matter if you externalize them, you are auto-ingesting and killing yourself by those words. Regardless of if anyone else hears them, it doesn't matter. You're just killing yourself. And you see this man of God that comes and he always says the right thing in public, but he's, you can just see he's dying. He's withered up. He's dying. He has no life in him. You can almost guarantee he doesn't have no control of that tongue. His tongue is constantly talking to himself. Me, myself, and I, and they're having a great conversation and they're killing each other because everything is focused back on him. No man can tame the tongue. Amen? It says in verse 27, Dr. Hyoto's favorite verse. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted from the world. I want to set the precedence that there is no way, no way, no way, as is impossible as it is for you to tame your tongue, it is impossible by yourself to keep yourself unspotted from this world. Hello? The same impossibility for you to say, I can control my tongue. Impossible. It is impossible for you by yourself to keep yourself unspotted and uncontaminated from this world. So Jesus is saying, pure religion and undefiled before God. Pure religion that is accepted. He's not condemning religion. He's condemning the source. If you do all the external things under the guise of pure religion, yet you're dying inside. Your tongue's out of control. You're killing yourself. You're not doing the word of God. You hear the word of God. You get the impression you leave. You forget it. But you keep doing these external things. He says, that is defiled. Amen? Amen? That's the same thing that Jesus accused the Pharisees of. Being what? Whitewashed sepulchers, but inside full of dead man's bones. We have a lot of people in the church today that are white sepulchers, but they're dead on the inside because they're not doers of the word. You have to be a doer to be, have life. You can't just get the impression like a man in a mirror and walk away and forget it. That is not a doer. And you can never have accepted religion. All your external things, God condemns. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out devils, heal the sick, etc., etc., in your name? Religion, outward things they did in their lives. God's not against it. God's not against casting out devils. He's not against healing the sick. He's not against prophesying in his name. 
But if it's not rooted in a doer of the word, if it's not rooted in relationship and intimacy, he says, like he says to those men in that day, away from me, you evildoer, I never knew you. Amen? It's all about knowing. You gotta know. He wants to know you. He's not interested. He's not gonna say, well, you cast out 27 demons of 343 people you healed. He's gonna say, no, I cast out 27 demons and I healed 343 people through your ministry. But you never knew me. You never desired me. The word of God is God himself. In the beginning was the word. Amen? Jesus is the living word. And when we respond to the word of God, we're responding to Jesus. When we're doers of the word of God, we are having intimacy with Jesus Christ. Amen? But if you simply get a revelation as a man in a mirror, it's like shaking hands with somebody, but never getting to know them. Jesus wants more than you just to recognize his name or his statutes. He wants more than you to be a theologian. He wants intimacy with you. So how can it be done? Let's go back to verse 22. Is that what I want? Yes. How can it be done? How can we be doers of the word? I want to read in an answer to that, Romans chapter 12. It says in Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Sounds familiar to what we just read in James, huh? Basically the same thing. Do not be what? Do not be corrupted, tainted, contaminated by the things of this world. This is pure religion. This is your spiritual act of worship. But the condition is essential. You must understand the condition because we already have made the precept. Well, you cannot do it by yourself. You cannot keep yourself unspotted from the world. So we have to read the second part of the verse. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Impossible by yourself. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Only then, then, an enticed translation, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We talk a lot in the church about God's will, what God told me, what God showed me. But it says right here, that if you're basically not a doer of the word, if you're merely a hearer of the word, if you're not allowing the word of God to penetrate deep within, then you cannot know God's will. What a horrible position to be in. He promises in Jeremiah and other places in the Old Testament that I'm going to put their, my law in their minds and in their hearts. It says here in Romans that now the law can transform our minds. The revelation has come. The fulfillment has come. It is here. Every resource that you need for righteousness is at your disposal. 
What a sad state of affairs when we choose not to take the very weapon that has been given us. We can say all we want, I'm more than a conqueror. But the second half of that verse says what? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Not those who had heard his name one time. Not those who just come into a service and say, hey, 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 man, but are not willing to do the word of God. You are not more than a conqueror. You will be conquered. You'll be conquered by what? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Amen? The default, if you're not a doer of the word, is being polluted by this world. By not being transformed. By being led by your emotions. Being led by your mind, your intellect. That's the default. There's not three paths, there's one. Transformed by the word of God or transformed by the culture. That's the only two options. Choose today whom you'll serve. There's still two trees in the garden. Nothing has ever changed. God's way or not God's way. Amen? So it says there in Romans chapter 12. He says, I urge you. Please hear it more than the word. Paul is saying, I urge you. I beg of you, I plead of you, in view of what? His mercy. What's his mercy? Jeremiah chapter 31. By the fact that he chose to save you, not from your works, but by the blood of Jesus, and he has chosen to give the law within your hearts and your minds that can be activated only by faith and obedience. He says, because of all of this, I urge and plead and beg of you that you'll simply receive the resource in view of God's mercy. Because of all that he's done for us. It's our worshipful obligation. Isn't it? When we talk about worship being love, responding to love. It's just our response. It's just like, it's a no-brainer, Paul's saying. He's saying, it's, look at all he's done for you. He saved you by the blood. He's given you every resource to be more than a conqueror. Doesn't it make sense just to worship him? To worship him? To obey him? It says in verse 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, I reiterate the prophecy of Jeremiah, or Jeremiah chapter 31, where he promises there's a time going to come where I'm going to make a new covenant, a better covenant. I'm going to put their law in their minds and in their hearts. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's come. It's come. Hallelujah. The prophets and the people of old have looked forward to this day where they didn't have to carry around the law and look at it and say, oh my goodness, I can't carry it. They are looking for the time of this better covenant, this rich covenant, where if you'll just respond in faith and be a doer of the word, you don't have to carry the law. The law will be within you. And by faith and obedience, you'll be able to fulfill the law. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Praise the Lord. If we could just respond. He's not asking you to do anything other than to be a doer of the word, meaning being receptive to the word. Be a contender for the word. Covet the word. Hunger after the word. Look carefully into the word. Look intently into the word. Don't leave this place with just an impression. Because the impression is supposed to go to intimacy. It's supposed to go to a place 
of repentance, a place of challenging, a place of rebuking and correcting and discipling. But you have to activate that by faith. James chapter 1, we'll conclude with this. Back to verse 19. Back to verse 19, it says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. I want to read this also in the Amplified. Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense, and slow to get angry. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. So get rid of all uncleanliness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and in a humble, gentle, and modest spirit, receive and welcome the word. Receive and welcome the word, which, implanted and rooted in your hearts, contains the power to save your soul. Now I want you to catch this. Get rid of all moral filth. Again, an impossible by yourself. It is impossible for you, in and by your own strength, to rid yourself of the rampant, prevalent moral filth that is within you. As impossible as it is to plant a corn seed and get a radish, that's how impossible it is for you, in and by yourself, to eradicate the moral filth out of your life. Without the provision of God's divine nature, the Bible says that we have access to partake of the divine nature. Amen? It's not mine. It's divine. I'm not divine. He is divine, and that divinity comes within me, and I can partake of it. Right? I don't own the divine nature. It is Him alone. And when I die, my spirits within me, that divine nature, it is no, it's not mine. If you live by faith and obedience to the Word of God, your soul that needs to be saved goes with the Spirit. But if you reject the Word of God, if you reject it, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, we are a tripartite being. The born-again Spirit will always go back to Jesus. We can't own it. It's not ours, it's His. But the Bible says that we can become partakers of the divine nature. And it's only through that partaking, that spiritual life, that we have an option other than the carnal nature. Amen? There was a big controversy and teaching back in the First Testament. I don't know if you ever heard of dualism. That basically... We have all this divinity that's ours and all this carnality and they're just constantly flashing back and forth and one day I'm this, another day I'm holy and 
But we partake of the divine nature. It's a choice. Without it, your default is carnality. If you don't partake of the divine nature, I'm not talking about 10 years ago when you were saved. I'm talking about today. If you don't choose today to partake of the divine nature, then you have also made a second choice. You have chosen to go by carnality, the carnal man. You understand what I'm saying? Do you understand why it's so important to be a doer of the word of God? To receive it, to look intently into it, to look carefully into it? Because if you don't on a daily basis, you have chosen to live in your carnality. And everything that you think that day, everything you say, whether outwardly or inwardly, all your emotions will be dictated by the carnality within you. That is not the righteous life that God wants or requires. It grieves Him to know that He has given you the divine nature to take and to hold and to allow to push down the carnality. He's given it all. Think about with your children. Remember the Galatians passage, I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, yet Christ lives with me. In this life, I live in the flesh, I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and who died for me. I will not easily set aside, I will not easily frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness could be attained by the observance of the law, then Christ died for nothing. Don't frustrate the grace of God. He has given the provision. He has given the access to the divine nature. Don't frustrate Him. Amen? I preached a sermon on that several years ago. I used the analogy of a father. They have a backyard that's just full of bushes and thorns and everything else. And the husband goes out, the father goes out, and he makes this nice path. He just spends all day what, just making a path, just cutting through all those thorns and bristles that cut him up and everything else. Finally, he makes this narrow path to the backyard. On the other side, bristles and thorn bushes and everything else. And the child comes out, looks outside, and jumps right into the thorn bushes. And that's really what it comes down to. Don't frustrate the grace of God. He has prepared a path. He has prepared an access for you to have the divine nature. Don't just keep jumping into the thorn bushes. Don't keep jumping into the carnality, which is so rampant. That's the wide road. It's so easy to do that. You don't have to do nothing other than not choose the divine nature. Not to lead a doer of the word. Amen? Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. You know that sometimes the most docile of man can be the most angry of men? On the outside, they may look very tender and very quiet and this and that and the other. But inside, they're frustrated, they're angry, they're bitter. We don't have to do that, friends. I think the bigger sin that we deal with as a church body and probably a church at large is not so much the anger that we vent outward or the frustration that we vent outward, though we do that at times. It's the constant frustration and anger and bitterness that we have within us that we say to ourselves over and over again. Once in a while, it'll spew out with a poor comment, right? Well. But most of the time, it's just self-poison. You're just poisoning yourself. And you can't be life. You can never give life to another person if you yourself are dead within. If you're full of dead man's bones, that's all you can give. The practicality of the senses, if you want to be a doer of the word, everyone says, yeah, I want to be a doer of the word, but what do I do? What does that mean? 
That means when you encounter the Word of God, you have a choice. I believe that the time of the altar is the beginning of your choice. I believe when you hear the Word of God and the impression comes upon you, Jesus is talking to you. The Word is coming like a sword. It's doing things. Now the choice, you have to respond to that now. That's what the value of the altar time is. It's you responding to the Word of God. It's you saying, I'm going to invest into the Word of God. I'm going to consider the Word of God. I'm going to allow it to, to seek me out and to change me and to mold me. I believe that's the importance of the altar time. But secondarily, I believe if you want to be a doer of the Word of God, not only initial response, but you must carry that out into your daily life. I can almost dogmatically say if you're a person who does not consistently on a daily basis spend time in, with Jesus Christ, how can you possibly be a doer of the Word? How? That is the provision that He has made through relationship and intimacy. If you're not having the relationship and you're not having the intimacy, how can you possibly be a doer of the Word? You must take the Word. You must contend for the Word. Inquire of the Word. Be intently looking into the Word of God. So today, I want to, as a church body, I just want to encourage you. The Bible says that if you're not a doer of the Word of God, as we have talked about it today, then deception comes upon you. Did you grasp that? Verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you're not a doer, if you're not in practice of being a doer of the Word, then the Bible says that deception comes upon you. That's the responsibility of reacting to the Word of God. When the Word of God comes and you hear the Word of God, this is why it's so dangerous for a person to come to church just to please their spouse. It is so dangerous to continue to hear the Word of God and yet not respond in faith to the Word of God. This is the danger. Because deception comes upon you. If you're not willing to react to the Word of God in faith, then deception comes upon you and you'll believe a lie. You'll believe whatever your mind tells you, whatever your emotions tell you. If you're a person that you say, yeah, I'm a person that oftentimes goes by what I'm feeling, by what my mind is telling me, then there's deception that's come upon us. We've had to guard ourselves from the Word of God. Because the Word of God is strong, it's powerful, it's alive. And if you hear the Word of God, but you're not willing to respond to it, you put up all these walls and all these resistances, and all this deception comes upon you to protect yourself from that living Word. And the longer that state exists in your life, the more deception, the more deception, the more deception... And usually the harder God's got to rake you through the coals, bring about some calamity in your life to finally break that. Let it not be so in this place, amen? amen? Let it not be in our lives. But let us daily be doers of the word, looking into the word of God. Let us not be careless with the grace of God. Because it only hurts you. It only hurts your family. You know, it's like the famous Mark Twain statement that I think I've shared before that he said that it's not the things I don't understand about Scripture that I'm worried about. It's the things that I do understand that I'm worried about. 
what he was saying is the things that are simple, he was struggling because he wasn't willing to respond to them. That's worrisome. That's worrisome. I think it was St. Augustine that struggled in, before he was, had his relationship with Christ. He struggled with lust after women. And even after he was supposedly saved, he had said this. He said, Lord, deliver me from lust, but not yet. <laughs> Jesus will never set you free. He'll never deliver you from your best friend. If you still want it, you have basically frustrated the grace of God. He has the provision to take care of it, to set you free, to heal you, to sanctify you, to cleanse your mind. All of it's right there for you. But you have to say what? Yes. Yes, Lord. If you're not willing to say yes, then that's going to stand as a spiritual idolatry in your life. And you'll hear the word of God come that says that I am a what? A jealous God. And you'll say, wait a second. I have these little idols here. And you'll have to protect yourself against it. You'll justify it in your mind. And deception comes upon you. If we're going to, in this church, have life to bring outside of these walls, it's got to be because we're doers of the word. Amen? We have to be doers of the word. Jesus Christ will do the word through you, but not apart from you. You must say yes. You must surrender. You must do what the scripture says. Amen? And I just want to spend some time with, with the Lord. If you have a physical need that you want someone to pray for, please, let us know. But apart from that, I want people just to come and spend a few moments with Jesus Christ. If you're guilty of these things, if you're guilty of hearing the word of God, but not doing the word of God, do you know what the requirement for you is? Repent. You must repent of your sin. Jesus can do nothing. You cannot activate faith without repentance. Repentance is the mercy of God. It is a good word. I like the word repentance because whenever repentance is possible, grace is still there. When there's not a chance for repentance, we're in trouble. Repentance is beautiful. You should embrace it every day of your life. And so we have a chance now, because grace is still here, to repent from our sins. If you want to be used, if you want to have your life fully devoted to God, if you want to be a living epistle, read and seen before all men, if you want to be true, effective salt and light to this nation, to this community, and to your family, if you want to be a person that can give godly counsel and not humanistic counsel, if you want to be a vessel of honor, if you want to be a jar of clay filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, then you must do business with God today. I don't believe there's any person in here that's not guilty at some point in their lives on a fairly consistent basis of failing to be a doer of the Word of God. This is something we constantly have to come back to. This is not a sermon that you respond to once every three months. This is something you have to respond to every single day. Lord, help me to be a doer of the word. Help me not to rely upon myself. Help me, Lord God, even when I feel tired, to go and spend time with you to read your word. Amen? And so I just want to do a few moments of intimacy with Jesus. Be real with him. He knows at what level you're a doer or not a doer. Don't try to fool him. 
Just offer yourself to Him. That is the acceptable and pleasing worship is to put your life upon that altar today. Let Him speak to you. We need to be doers of the Word today. This church, this body, this fellowship, it'll hardly ever grow if we're not going to be doers of the Word. Because without a doer, you're full of dead man's bones. You can't evangelize. Why would you want to evangelize? You know what I'm saying? Why would you want to evangelize if you're full of dead man's bones? you got to have the life of Christ, the living word flowing through you. That compels you to want to share your faith. It is now the most important thing in your life. This comes by being a doer of the word. Responsive to the word. Sensitive to the word. Sensitive to your own sin. Instead of protecting it, justifying it, we are called to repent of. Amen? And so wherever you want to find, if you want to come up, most of the whole first row is empty. If you want to use that as an altar today, if you want to use your seat, I just want to spend a few moments. Sister Tamara and some of the worship team is going to come for a while and just worship the Lord. And I just pray that you would respond to Jesus Christ today. Respond to Him in a way. Just ask Him to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.